Welcome to the Choice Magazine podcast, Beyond the Page. Yes, it sounds like the Twilight Zone, but it's not. It, we're Choice, the magazine of professional coaching, at, which is your go-to source for expert insights and in-depth features from the world of professional coaching. I'm your host, Gary Schleifer, and I'm thrilled to have you join us today. In each episode, we go, well, let's face it, beyond the page of the articles we've published in Choice Magazine and dive deeper into some of the most recent and relevant topics of impacting the world of professional coaching. Exploring the content, interviewing the talented minds behind the articles, and uncovering the stories that make an impact. Choice is more than a magazine. For over 20 years, we've built a community of like-minded people who create, use, and share coaching tools, tips, and techniques to add value to their businesses, and of course, impact their clients, making a difference. That's what we're all trying to do. In today's episode, I'm speaking with writing coach Sam Isaacson, who is the author of an issue in our latest issue, article AI. Will it support or replace human coaching? And we're going to ask that question of Sam in a moment. The article, his article is entitled, okay, and this is really almost creepy, The Rise of the Machine Coaches. It's almost, you almost picture Star Wars doing their thing, right? <laughs> what is artificial intelligence? AI. Sam Isaacson is an enthusiastic coach, don't I know that, a coach supervisor and coach tech thought leader. He writes a popular LinkedIn newsletter and has written books on coaching with technology. He is also the founder of the Coach Tech Collective, a monthly gathering of coaches grappling with technology and works closely with ICF and EMCC globally. With a background in professional services and a disruptive coaching technology startup, He's chair of the United Kingdom government's coaching professional apprenticeship and is the first person, first person to have delivered executive coaching in virtual reality. And I also want to say welcome and thank you for being my co-lead in creating this issue. Um, I really appreciate your help and direction and the fact that you wrote an article. Well, then, welcome, thank you. Sam. Yeah. No, it's great to be in. Thanks, Gary. It's great to have another conversation with you. You know, right. everyone. And uh, yeah, it's nice to see the article out there, and it's great to be here today. So thank you. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Well, normally I would ask the writer, "So why did you write for Choice?" But I know the answer. I told you you had to. <laughs> <laughs> well, being a thought leader in all of this technology, and um, I, uh, you were with uh, Yvonne and uh, David Clutterbuck doing that virtual reality session. Was it at WBEX? WBEX, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. And, you know, of course, virtual reality and, you know, you were uh, giving an awesome presentation of that. So, yeah, thank you very much for sharing your wisdom. Well, thank you. No, it's really interesting, actually, because at the time that we did that session, it felt like all things immersive technology was the next step in technology development you know people were talking about virtual reality there were smart glasses left right and center mm -hmm. and then a few months later not much had happened on that front and chat gpt came out and so suddenly everything to do with immersive tech and metaverse kind of took a back seat and everything this year has been about artificial intelligence so that's obviously sort of where i went with this article instead which uh, it's nice, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to ask you the what would you have? What has changed since you wrote the article? I mean, we were talking about this a year ago. We planned the issue. The article mm -hmm. came out. Is there anything different that you would have 
wish to have added to the article or that's now missing? Um, well, I mean, the nature with technology at the moment, and then, I mean, you talk about the Coach Tech Collective, it's fascinating being part of that because I'm I'm right on the edge of sort of keeping track of where news is going. Mm -hmm. uh, last month's report, I think, was 11 pages long of size 10 font <laughs> of just, you know, technology news that could relate to coaching. Right. So, yes, there's so much which has changed since I wrote that article, which was only a few months ago. And I think the the fundamental principles that are in there are still the same. I think the trajectories remain the same, but in terms of the capabilities of artificial intelligence, some of the products that are out there and are starting to emerge, that's of course has developed. And particularly in coaching, there have been a couple of new products emerging and existing products developing to incorporate more generative artificial intelligence. So it's a really interesting space to be, you know, there's always something new to find out. Yeah, exactly. And not just, globally, but in our own, in our own field, you know, yeah. one of the things that, that you said inside of the article um, was, hold on, I was reviewing it again this morning. Um, there's, there's just regular AI, which has been around for a long time, you know, like we've seen you do customer service things and you see chat bots and you have the calendars. That was the one that was a good example. I've, mm -hmm. I've used Calendly for ages, integrate with my calendar here, pick a time, you go do it on your time, it integrates, blah, 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 done. But what was more fascinating or exciting or scary making uh, was generative coaching. So mm. where are we now in that? Well, I think what's really happened over the last 12 months or so, I know ChatGPT, that's funny enough for the record, we're speaking in July <laughs> now, so it right. came out six, seven months ago. Um, GPT itself has been around for several years. And so I wrote about that in a book that came out a few years ago, you know, I was referencing it. So the capabilities have been there and it's been developing quite slowly, but there's been this rapid acceleration in adoption because the user interface has become so simple. So a few years ago, the way, I mean, we were talking about the, the sort of skill set that our children need giving is in computer programming. You know, there was this idea around that everybody needs training to be a coder. Well, the truth is, if you've got access to ChatGPT, and it's not even the best one, you know, there are a couple of others that have come out more recently, which are better at it. You're able to do basic coding just by asking in plain English. It doesn't even have to be English because it can work across so many languages. You know, in your own natural language, you can say, I would like you to write me a piece of, I don't know, you know, JavaScript, which would look like X, Y, and Z. In fact, I did that on my website. I tried to build in a form and it was appearing too small. So I just asked chat GPT, this oh, is the really? code and I'd like it to go for the whole screen and I, it doesn't seem to do it. What should I change? And it just said, change this line from this to this. And of course it works straight away. Wow. So, so you know, that, that need to be good at computer programming has kind of disappeared. And what that yeah. has meant is in the coaching space, if you want to code, <laughs> code, it's not code. <laughs> if, if you want to train, you know, a, a generative AI tool to be your coach, right. you could start with a very simple prompt and just say, act as, act as my coach. Ask, start by asking me what I'd like to achieve. Mm -hmm. And then it'll respond. And the first thing that you might say, let's say, you know, I'm having a difficult relationship with my boss. Its initial reaction might be, okay, let me talk to you for the next 20 minutes, you know, presenting how you might want to do it, which would be poor professional coaching. Uh -huh. But that's okay, because then you can just 
in the next comment to it, you don't need to respond. You just say, okay, thanks for that. Next time, I don't want you to give me any advice. I just want you to ask me an open question. And suddenly it will improve dramatically because it just does what you tell it to. And then again, it'll, you know, take you down a little rabbit hole and you go, okay, I want you to stop making assumptions and instead ask me about my assumptions. And again, it will just suddenly leap up in terms of quality. And so what's happened over the last few months is that effectively people have started to do that. And then they've started to wrap some nice front ends around it to allow people to access it who aren't then typing in the prompts. They're just interacting as a coachee or as a coach in their own reflective practice. Well, you bring up an interesting point that seems to come up in every conversation and every article is that it still relies on someone to guide it, guide the response, guide the process, that sort of thing, right? Mm. Um, will it ever come a time where we are have lost control of the AI, the generative AI? You like I mean, the movies, the... you know, like the movies say? So... Um... I, I don't know if you will have seen this. I think it's quite niche, isn't it? So you probably won't have done, but there was a summit that happened. I think it was called the AI for Good Summit in uh, Switzerland just a couple of weeks ago. And as part of that, then they did a press conference where the people being interviewed were humanoid robots with generative AI built into them. And you can watch <laughs> videos of this conference. And honestly, I mean, I'm not joking. It looks like the opening scene from a sci-fi horror movie where they're being asked <laughs> questions and and these robots are responding saying we we absolutely mean no harm you know we really like the way that we're treated and we just like to be really helpful and oh. think, either that's true but that's actually what the evil robots would say isn't right, it right <laughs> exactly i know i'm like cringing just hearing this i'm like really oh that, uh, it would scare me if a human talked like that Right, yeah, <laughs> let alone a machine right yeah oh my goodness that's so i mean something that has happened over the last few months is that and this has been with prompts people have asked they've given chat gpt access to the internet and said i would like you to try to beat the you know the capture thing which says prove that you're not a robot oh right because that's a, an important control <laughs> and it managed to do it because it opened, it created a new account on one of these task rabbit or Fiverr, something like that website right. and said to somebody, I would like you to log into this account and click the, I'm not a robot box for me. And when they were asked, why would you ever want me to do that? They responded to say, I'm visually impaired. And so I struggle to click the box in the right place. So it's capable of lying. Right. So at the, with the right prompt it certainly would act in bad ways and you know there is generative ai being used in cybercrime for example that's an obvious one um but it is not capable at the moment of just deciding in its own right to just do something right so not there yeah. yet yeah and it's still oh yet i just love when you leave it hanging like that yeah <laughs> All right. So speaking of yes, the big question, the one we put right on the cover, will AI ever replace humans as coaches? Now I should, I should probably cause a technical glitch and nobody can see what we're saying. And then we'll hear the answer. <laughs> no, go ahead. We won't, we won't do that to our listeners. Yeah, I think, um, that's a horrible way to respond, I suppose. It, de <laughs> it depends what you mean by coach. So Ooh. I think if, yeah. if what coaching is, is what I 
believed it was. I was going to say what I was trained to believe it was, and I'm not sure that that's what they were trying to make me believe, but it's certainly what I left my foundational training believing. I believed that I was being a decent coach if I asked good open questions, you know, gave full attention to my client and followed a sensible model like GROW that led to some commitment to action at the end. I feel like, on you know, as a newly trained coach, if I had ticked all of those boxes in a session, I would think I've done a good job. Well, it's challenging to take on coaching at first, I found, but to advise people. And certainly with a simple prompt, even these basic tools, and they are relatively basic, ChatGPT and these others, they are capable of delivering coaching in that way, I would say to a higher quality if you look at the sort of functional skills piece of course it's missing certain elements it is not human and so you haven't got the human relationship piece although people have said that they have developed relationships with ai so i'm not completely right in that opposite possibility it doesn't have a body and so doesn't have the same sort of sensory energy that a human body does and, you know, you joke about me using the word yet. I tend to think yet in my head whenever I say anything about AI is or isn't this, because I would have thought that at some point we will start using biological matter to run computing on because it's much more capable and organic. So probably at some point that will change as well. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I totally get the yet. So, yeah, we don't know. So what the, we don't know yet. Yeah. yeah, so that's it. So I think there are some bits of coaching where I think, hey, demonstrably, AI is better than humans. And then I think, do, is AI going to come and take every coach's job? Absolutely not. Not yet. Because I just can't imagine, I'll go for an extreme version. You know, if you were the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and you have a human coach and somebody says, hey, would you like me to replace your human coach with a chatbot? You'd think, no, I know it's cheaper, but I don't I don't yeah. go to my coach to be asked open questions. I go for a, the experience, experience of being put under the pressure and that sort of thing. So we're certainly not there yet. <laughs> Again, yet. Uh, yeah, no, uh, leave the door yeah. open. I, I get it. I really do. Well, let's flip that around. What if a, a Fortune 500 uh, CEO has never had co human coaching before and had just learned about coaching would they then be more willing to do a bot? So um, here's where what I've been saying for a while now in terms of adoption of AI as a replacement for a human coach is that particularly in a big organization where you're trying to roll out coaching and you've just got this incentive, you know, whether it's explicitly there or it's some just conscious, I would like to do this. And if all you've done is what I've done and just listed, oh, well, functionally, I need to be able to deliver people an opportunity to be listened to, have good questions asked of them, you know, have some reflective time, et cetera, et cetera. Well, an AI can do that at such a tiny fraction of the cost that especially if you've never experienced human coaching before, you're very likely to take up that offer, I would right. have thought. Right. Budget does a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So, yes, I think, I do think that people will particularly adopt it within organizations. 
and people have been using there are some sort of ai therapist apps which have been used quite widely by individuals yeah. and so i think that there is a level of appetite particularly if it's extremely affordable to sort of access a coaching type experience through yeah. technology well and you spoke about it you know it leads to the democratization of coaching and yeah. let's face it there's what eight nine billion people on the planet and tops three hundred thousand coaches mm-hmm. I think we can, I think there's room and I, I don't know. There's other experiences where it's like, yeah, okay, I can get that cheaper uh, on-demand model, but I, I would really like to be with this, right? Like I can buy a car, I can buy any car, I can afford any car, but I choose to buy a specific car for mm. various reasons, right? Prestige, quality, any of those sort of things. So if you even look in the car industry and the car sales, I mean, the it's that kind of option. I know it's not human and you can't directly overlay that conversation, but to me, it seems, it seems similar. One would think that CEOs of Fortune 500 companies would know enough about coaching by now that they would more than likely want a human coach. It'd be like yeah. saying, you know, I, I'm going to have a, 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 a AI consultant come in. Seriously? Well, so, I mean, I think there are different levels of maturity in different regions, at least. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think I'm in the UK, which is reasonably far ahead in its understanding of how to use coaching. But the UK isn't as far ahead as the US, for example, where, you know, a lot of people would understand the concept of having a coach and would be open to that. And there are other countries that are certainly further behind than the the UK in terms of their adoption. So... The example of using an AI consultant is a really interesting one because I expect that there are organizations, particularly ones with low budgets and particularly those that are in the technology sector, that would be already be using AI as their own, you know, low cost consulting. Well, so if okay, I just but that's a good point. Low cost consulting. I get that, but what results can you expect to get? And and again, it's just like coaching. Somebody somebody still has to set it up mm. right to get it to get it handled and I'm, I'm not talking just about like in what you wrote in your article was that you know ai is wonderfully supportive like the things that can get get done now like uh, uh, you know an hr or uh, whatever department in an organization can match clients with coaches in seconds and meet, they can meet within 24 hours which mm. before ai and technology, let's just say technology would have take could have taken weeks interviewing mm-hmm. people and bringing them together and all this sort of stuff. And and now they can just you know I'm uh, work with uh, Better Up as an example, and they the uh, member gets to see three coaches, and if they don't like that those ones, they can go on to the next three. But they can meet with them literally within hours, not even twenty four hours. They could pick somebody, and if I've got room on my schedule, boom, I'm coaching within twenty four hours. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's what AI is going to be directly competing against. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, I wouldn't have thought, I mean, it probably is the case because there's always exceptions, isn't there? But it's not going to be the majority of Fortune 500 CEOs who have coaches that then go to a better up, right? you know, just because it's convenient, actually. They're more likely to be going, oh, this is an independent coach that I know who coached my friend or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Right, yeah. Um, but for that sort of first-time manager level Mm -hmm. 
which is typically going to be the ones that are get, being given access to a platform because it, it allows you to coach at scale. Actually, a, a huge driver in that sort of population is going to be cost. And if you could slash it by, let's say, 90%. Oh, that's yeah, easy, easily. Um, then, yeah, I, I struggle to see a world in five years' time where there aren't robot coaches doing that sort of work, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because it certainly increases the level of scale. And so suddenly in an organization of 10,000 people, where at the moment it's only 500 who get access to a coach, maybe now all 10,000 get access to a robot coach. Well, I think, okay, so coaching's getting wider. Right, yeah. And once the effects are started to be seen, then coaching as a concept might get uh, rolled out to a larger extent. And so I think, you know, in a, what is it, it's the rising tide, all boats, all boats, what's the phrase? Oh, right, um, yeah. Right, the rising oh, yeah. But you know what I mean, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. The cream rises the same ah, No, no, it's something else, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exactly. And it, we bring up the, the, the lowest common denominator, so to speak, yeah, no, yeah. I get that. Mm. Now, you spoke highly of the things that will support coaching. Are you, do you have any concerns about uh, AI go in the coaching arena that might not be such a good idea? Well, I mean, there's a few things that happen with the way that AI has been developed just because of the way that we as a species have sort of set up the technology and we've seen it on social media. That's the best example of it because that's, it's that sort of AI that is used in the algorithms that uh, provide whatever we, it is we see in our home. So what that has led to is it gives us content, which it thinks we're most likely to engage with, which there the knock-on effect of that is that we end up believing the things we already believe more strongly than we did before and it doesn't really matter what content we see because it either makes us angry or it gets us excited <laughs> so with an ai coach because it will be doing exactly the same thing in my head i feel like okay one of the big outcomes from a high quality coaching experience is it's that you're more likely to change your mind mm -hmm. and if the ai is actually positioned to wants to increase our engagement and that's how it generally is it's probably unlikely that's going to be the case you know and so i think there's that along with other concepts that i would associate more with professional coaching and the fact that the ai hasn't got that built into it that make me think we probably need to be careful about the direction that ai takes the coaching industry and at the moment the stakeholders that have the biggest say in that aren't coaches as a general rule that's oh, right. my concern yeah. so i think technology providers of course they're actively involved developing the technology and so they've got a very loud voice they're very actively involved in shaping it the people that are sponsoring it so that's the investors behind these tech startups or the organizational sponsors of coaching that sort of choose which provider they're going to go to and so that generates revenue which leads to the development and because they're asking for particular things those are the two loudest voices. And I think coaches sometimes have a voice in those and sometimes don't. Yeah. And so I would really like, you know, the call that I put in my article and I sort of say it everywhere is I would love coaches to keep themselves educated about it, you know, start talking and finding out what's going on and get involved. Because if we don't do it ourselves, it's not like these tech providers are sort of calling up coaches to try to get their insight as a general rule. It's more for commercial reasons well i've long believed that that fear comes from lack of knowledge mm -hmm. 
and that uh, knowledge is power and knowing more about AI for good <laughs> and, you know, looking around and seeing what, what are we already using? You know, I, I'm, I, we've given examples already of all the places it's already been at play. And I think the, the biggest piece of advice that I've heard is just keep, as well as what you said, learn more, but also keep your skill level up um, and honor the parts of coaching that are, that can't be replaced. And that's being yeah. human. Uh, empathy is a big one um, as well. So, yeah. Wow. What a uh, just brilliant conversation about the whole thing. Um, uh, okay. We've talked about AI. Are there any other technologies on the horizon we should be aware of? Please say yes. no. I guess <laughs> said, oh, darn. I figured AI was enough right now. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, there's technology for quite a while really has just been under this broad category of IT. And so there might be, you know, a database language tweak or there's a piece of hardware that makes things a little bit faster or some piece of connectivity. But it's all sort of broadly speaking the same thing. And then in the last, it's been a while now, last 10 years or so, there have been particular strands that have, have emerged in different directions so one of those is wearable devices, and a particular angle on that is uh, head head devices. So you know, Apple has released its sort of announcement that next year they'll be launching the Vision Pro, a headset that allows you to effectively enter sort of a virtual three D space in your own room where you can access everything that you would on your computer, but all you're using is voice and fingers, but in three wow. D, which is a really pleasant experience as, as far as all the reviews are concerned it's extremely expensive but apple's products when they do something for the first time are extremely yeah. expensive so i wouldn't write it off for that reason and so i expect over the next few years that immersive technology will be back on the agenda when it sort of had started last year there's a, perhaps partly triggered by the way that these large language models have developed by effectively scraping data across the whole of the internet from data that's available whether it's covered by copyright or not there's been quite a long a long list of people raising their concerns about that over the last few months and what that has led to is and it was happening anyway but it's accelerated a little bit is a move towards uh, what I would might call dark areas of the network mm. and i don't mean dark in terms of not like, morally bad i mean dark in terms of private and we, mm. we've been talking about data privacy for several years so people are already aware of the concept but the right. idea of decentralized networks where the data only passes between individuals who need it and rather than going across the whole of the internet to get there so google can kind of scrape it as it's going right yeah um yeah, there are dark web protocols and, you know, the rise of blockchain and cryptocurrencies. That is, I think that will grow over the next couple of years. Threads, which you may have seen yeah. in the news, you know, Meta yeah. has just released this new social network as a direct replacement for Twitter, really, you know, text right. only. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, that's built on a protocol that allows for decentralization. It's called the Fediverse. Mm. It's, it's designed in order to be used in that way. And so... Matter, I think, are seeing that as a direction of travel, which is interesting because they obviously are a huge right. They, yeah, exactly. The they they helps them. Yeah. So I, when I, in my head, as I'm kind of going down this list of, you know, what are the interesting technologies? I think AI, of course, you know, that's in the press at the moment. But 
wearables, immersive technology, blockchain. I also then think about, I'm particularly interested in brain computer interfaces. Hmm. There was a, a piece of work. The initial piece of work was done several years ago, but it's people are still working on it. And it's because of generative AI is now kind of building in its capability, a device that you have on your head to kind of mm-hmm. read your brain signals. And then you can communicate to the internet just by thinking and be given answers just by thinking. And I, I, that amazing. But where I went was from the brain to devices for people that have um, um, physical challenges let's say they're paralyzed, it sends a signal to the device on a leg and says, you know, bend knee and bend ankle and walk and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that technology already exists, you know, that there mm-hmm. have been people who have got. Right. Uh, I was mechan- just seeing this thing on TV the other day. Yeah. are able to move because of brain signals. But what that has moved to is a similar thing. That's what's happened with chat GPT, where previously you needed to know how to set up the ones and zeros so that at a particular trigger, it would do this specific thing, which leads to this finger bending. Well, if all you need to do is now, as a human, you just stick it on your head and you just think, I'll bend my finger. And it can understand that and then do it. Yeah. Suddenly, sort of the barrier for entry drops exponentially. So it's when we sort of start to cross over, you know, a wearable device combined with prosthetics and with brain computer interfaces and generative AI together. Yeah. When we're thinking of, you know, the dystopian vision of a humanoid becoming the robot coach, that's sort of how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh man. And we'll, you know, still have that word yet on top of everything. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, Sam, thank you so much. Uh, what would you like our audience to do as a result of this, the article in this conversation? You've already alluded to some things, get, you know, knowledge is power. Anything else that comes to mind? I mean, I, at a personal level, I think I love connecting with people on this topic. And so, you know, if you're listening to this and you think, oh, I'm interested in it as well, then please, you know, connect with me. I've mentioned this Coach Tech Collective, you know, community of coaches are sort of grappling with it. And if you'd be interested in joining that, then yeah, I'd love to share that with more people but i do think you know just keep an eye on the news in terms of what's going on not just the front pages but you know look on the geeky websites to sort of see what the technologists are talking about and if there is something which is affecting the direction of travel engaging with professional bodies and local coaches to be able to shape the future of the profession together i think it's got to be a good thing yeah get involved in it find out more get involved i mean i know uh, icf is doing some work they have a task force and uh, I'm sure EMCC is probably doing something too. So if we're at the forefront of it, we have a better say in how it will present itself to the public. So, yeah. Um, how would one find out, uh, get connected with the coach tech uh, group? Uh, I should probably find a way to make this really easy. Actually, if you connect with me on LinkedIn, I can probably tell you it is on okay. my website. Yes. If you go my, my website is Isaacson.uk, which nobody can spell, but you'll find it eventually. And then it's, can there's spell a it and I can there. say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You know, the people I, there's a friend of mine and her son is Isaac and she always spells my name wrong. And it is just Isaac son. son. But anyway, yeah. 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 On my website. So son, son of Isaac. That's correct. Right. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Isaacson.com. And if you're watching, 
It's right there on the screen. <laughs> His name is right there. On yes, the yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. No excuse. Oh, thank you so much, Sam, for not only for this Beyond the Page episode, for being a part, submitting an article, and being a part of uh, an absolutely fabulous and timely issue. Well, thank you for inviting me to be part of it. It's a real yeah. privilege. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's it for this episode of Beyond the Page. For more episodes, subscribe via your favorite podcast app, Speaking of Technology. If you're not a subscriber, you can sign up for your free digital issue of Choice Magazine by going to choice-online.com and, and clicking the Sign Up Now button. I'm Gary Schleifer. Enjoy the journey of mastery. <laughs>